Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, the monthly podcast series brought to you by the team that produced Global Cosmetics News. Does the misquoted 1990s business mantra, if you build it, they will come, have agency for the global beauty retailing industry in 2021? Or in fact, is beauty retailing the elephant in the room? What learnings have the key global players taken from 2020's COVID shock year and transformed into new business models? Which companies are playing digital catch up? Which companies are doing it well? Which companies will survive to 2022 and beyond? To help me answer these questions and more, it is my pleasure to introduce this month's panel. Hello to Mallory Huron, beauty and wellness strategist at Fashion Snoops. Wendy Chen, digital marketing manager at Chosen, China Marketing Circle and Anna Rice International. And a warm welcome to Antoinette van der Berg, founder and creative director at Relove Foundation and the Lady in Blue Futures Agency. Welcome, everybody. Hi, hello. 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 Mallory, let's start with you. With regards to the North American market, what are the key social drivers impacting the beauty retail sector in 2021? Well, for starters, we know that physical beauty retail is actually rebounding within the North American market. It is happening slowly, but it is happening, signaling an encouraging return to normal post-pandemic retail. The vaccine rollout within the U.S. has been instrumental in changing consumer behaviors, specifically in terms of pandemic levels of hesitancy towards touching products, in store or using testers. These consumers are ready to re-enter the beauty retail landscape. And after a year of trauma, they're really eager for new and exciting experiences for beauty retail. To accommodate this need, we're seeing the beauty retail landscape change as consumers are simply bored with traditional shopping models. Instead, they're really yearning for interactive, personalized, and joyful shopping experiences that prioritize education and fun over simply pushing product. There have been so many fun examples recently in keeping with this consumer need. For example, Allure's new store in New York City, which brings their beauty articles to life. Organizing the store by beauty headlines with shoppable product recommendation lists, which really plays into that fantasy fulfillment of being able to read an article on a tablet and have immediate access to all the products mentioned within. We're also seeing major beauty retailers like Ulta and Sephora Open up outposts in big box stores, with Ulta recently announcing its presence in Target, while Sephora continues to expand its Sephora at Kohl's locations. And we're also tracking a huge rise in uh, pop-up beauty retail experiences, which have helped many consumers ease back into the physical retail uh, experience post-pandemic. Pop-ups give brands a setting and platform to communicate their values through new avenues of engagement with a spontaneity, immersive theming, and small controlled environment that helps connect them to their community. Again, we've seen so many fun examples of pop-ups recently, but one that exemplifies the new beauty retail experience for me was the recent Violette pop-up in New York City, which was designed to match the brand and brand founder's Parisian chic aesthetic. And it really emphasized education and interaction through things like specialty makeup classes, fun makeup cafe experiences, and a very relatable makeover my makeup bag counter. 
Moreover, the pop-up was timed to offer exclusive early access to shop the brand's new line of lipsticks, which shows how brands can use limited edition experiences like a pop-up to build hype around product launches in an organic way. And talking board with shopping models, what are the key social drivers in China, Wendy? So for in China, uh, so firstly, what we have to mention is about the epidemic. So for the epidemic uh, in China in 2020 and in 2021, the epidemic, the COVID-19 has definitely made the, made the public concentrate more on the health of the skins. At the same time, we can see that after this kind of trend has appeared, people are not only concentrating on the skincare besides the makeup. At the same time, also more and more people in China are crazy now about the medical, uh, like the medical beauty and also for some like the beauty machines. So as we all know that for the beauty machines and for the medical beauty, it has to, it has, it will cost a lot of money for the public. So in this case, uh, it also indicates that uh, the public, especially for the women groups, a lot of people are willing to pay uh, for this kind of money or even to pay more efforts, such as the small pens and also for some more time and more this kind of uh, uh, like for the uh, what should I see that is more like this kind of efforts to to know about the trend and at the same time also uh, to to uh, to focus on their skincare and at the same time we can also see a trend is about that after this kind of uh, uh, medical beauty and also for the beauty machines uh, people are more focusing on the eating beauty things so for example for the whitening and also for uh, the surgery and also for uh, some some losing weight. So this kind of uh, content, this kind of uh, like the products also become very popular in China in the past one and two years, in the one year in the epidemic. And at the same time, she says it, also there was uh, the epidemic also in, in impacted a lot about the the ice. So because due to the masks, now in China, still a lot of people are wearing the masks due to the uh, the COVID-19 are still here. And especially for recently, a lot of cities in China has seen the trend of more kinds of cases appearing. So the color lenses, so for example, also for the makeups, uh, when it comes to the makeups, because due to the past one year, the makeups are not that popular in China. Also, this kind of trend has been more focused on the eyes. So for the color lenses and makeup tips, so this kind of things has been uh, strongly uh, impacted, strongly reasoned by this kind of uh, epidemic background. So I think for this one, the epidemic and COVID-19 has been a really uh, strong things to drive the beauty retail, the products, and also for the trends, and also for the masters, digital marketing ways. So all these kind of things has been strongly affected by the epidemic. So I think this is the biggest, uh, like the effect for the past one year. And for the world after Antoinette, what are <laughs> the social drivers? I think the most, there are two really important influences. The first is that the consumer became really stubborn. He was left alone. There were no social influences, less influences by the label because they were not launching collections, especially in fashion. And as a result, they they do whatever they want and often even with what they have. Um, so they're not following trends as much as before. As a result, they started to do uh, and use their own 
creativity. We see this a lot in fashion. People started changing the clothes they have. Uh, they, they transform a pyjama in a sexy outfit with short um, uh, legs and, you know, short arms. And so they started to do it, to change it and do it themselves. And we will see that back in uh, cosmetics. So a lot of do-it-yourselves. We see it with plants, making your own plants from other plants. And we have always seen it in food. And for the cosmetic industry, it's hard to handle because uh, the labels become out of control. But in the food industry, we see that the famous cooks all, always share their recipes without any danger for their business. They made it books and they it helped them even building up the business. So a stubborn consumer following less trend and doing it more themselves. So that's one. And the other one is spirituality. Because of everybody had a hard, hard time, we became more spiritual and we started to uh, use our feelings more and empower ourselves. And that was including self-love. And that is very important. And self-love means individual beauty ideals. So that refers also to the stubborn consumer that decides their own rules. And uh, we see another important thing, and that's the glow. Someone who is spiritual, really aligned, happy with themselves, happy with the environment, happy with life, gets a special glow. And that glow is something we really want. So it's not a fixed beauty idea in shapes and forms, but it's a glow of happiness with like a glowing skin and happy open eyes. So it's like an aura and that will influence the visuals of the color cosmetics industry and the skin, of course, as well. And that is related to feminization. It's the softer side of the people. And we see this not only for women, but also for the men. And we see the whole society being more female. There are all the links for that with like higher educated women, et cetera, et cetera, but also because of the spirituality and the softer side. And we see a, a, a far more female society. That are the most important things. And Mallory, what are the key digital drivers assisting the North American beauty retail sector in 2021? This is such an exciting area for beauty retail and one that we're continuously tracking at Fashion Snoops. The pandemic forced the entire landscape of beauty retail to evaluate their digital presence and also showed how seriously behind the North American beauty retail market is compared to China. So I'd say the biggest digital driver we're tracking within beauty retail in North America is definitely consumer engagement. Consumers want digital experiences that not only feel more real and authentic, but they want them to be more interesting, more fun, and more educational. This is all, of course, being driven by Gen Z, who have been raised on the internet and have a more sophisticated approach to digital engagement, and brands that are responding with better avenues for virtual consumer interaction. We're seeing everything from brands using chat platforms for product recommendations or beauty advice, virtual reality or augmented reality experiences, and also huge advancements in terms of the accuracy and quality of virtual shade try-ons, not only for makeup, but for nails, hair, and more. 
We also, of course, continue to see gaming trend as a way for beauty brands to promote themselves through consumers virtually expressing themselves via digital avatars. Uh, brands like Tatcha, Mac, Gillette have all dabbled with popular systems like Animal Crossing or The Sims. And in addition, TikTok remains a huge presence for Gen Z, which continues to be a great way for brands to promote products and connect with consumers in a fun, irreverent virtual landscape. And digital beauty is also where we're seeing indie brands continue to thrive. Part of this is by necessity for smaller indie brands who don't have a presence at brick and mortar stores or even at larger beauty e-tailers, but also because indie brands are so good at using social media specifically to build community, educate consumers about their brand, and also push the envelope in terms of social justice advocacy. And lastly, I'd say that we're also seeing digital social media platforms affect brick and mortar shopping as consumers are increasingly looking to fuse their virtual presence into their real world experience. For example, Westfield Malls uh, recently created a pop-up shop dedicated to TikTok that happened in the UK, but of course, Westfield also has outlets in North America and we might expect to see some similar pop-ups in the future. And in the land of digital, Wendy, what are the key digital drivers in China? Uh, so for in 2021, so the main digital drivers assisting the beauty retail across China. So the first one, uh, the most important one is like the live streaming. So for live streaming, as we all know that, so it has been, uh, it has been really important trend in China to totally change the digital and the retail ways. So as before, uh, in 2021, uh, at the, uh, and, uh, until the end of 2020 and uh, the, the beginning of the 2021, uh, on the biggest e-commerce platforms, Taobao in China. So uh, in the past one year, more than 2 million live streamers has appeared and more than 2 million live streamers has opened their own live streaming rooms to do the live streaming, e-commerce live streaming. So at the same time, it is not only uh, become like a big trend for the bloggers, for the like the, the QLs or live streamers to do the live streaming by themselves to sell different products. At the same time, also all the brands almost all the brands, not only like for the small brands, for the beauty industries, but also for the luxury brands or even the cars, apartments, all the industries has started to do the live streamings to sell their own products. And now even the, the celebrities, like the stars in China to started to do the live streamings. So why I mentioned the live streaming here about the beauty retail, because when the live streaming has become popular, it is the first, it is the totally the first one, the first industry, uh, the live streaming has been boomed because firstly it's because the unit price is a little bit low than others so for example like the fashions or like for the apartment this kind of luxury things um and the other reason is for this kind of things the mainly target audience is about is is totally about the female groups before and also even now most of the target audience are still the female groups so in this case this is a totally a great trend or a great chance for them to do uh, this kind of consumptions uh, in instant consumptions instead uh, instead of some planning consumptions. So the live streaming has become uh, the biggest trend in China for the new retail and especially in some biggest shopping festivals. Uh, the biggest live streamers in China uh, in the past 
not only in 2020, but also in 2021. So in the biggest shopping festivals, all of these, all of the top live streamers for one or two, uh, one is called Austin Lee. I'm not sure whether you are familiar with this live streamer. He has sold more than 2.7 billion RMB in the, uh, just in one day in the shopping festival in China. So this is totally the biggest things for the beauty retail. And for Austin Lee, he is famous for the lipstick, for uh, the lipstick retail, lipstick, uh, lipstick e-commerce live streaming. And for the next one is for short videos. So I know that for TikTok, it has been a biggest trend for the Generation Z, one of the biggest trends on the digital social media uh, channels on, in the world. And in China, it has different names. It's called Douyin. So for Douyin, uh, it has uh, like totally created a new format for the uh, for this kind of brand uh, pr promotions and also for the live streamers, for the bloggers to promote themselves, to promote the products, to promote the brands, and also to do all kinds of uh, uh, this kind of branding, or even to to do the short dramas, to do the tips, to do the courses, and has created more e-commerce channels. So now in China, all the things, all the digital drivers for beauty retail is totally not about offline. It's totally not about TV. It's just about e-commerce platforms and the short video platforms. So this, this kind of short video and live streaming cooperating together has totally changed the format and the ways how the Chinese peoples are know and how this country are know about this beauty retail. And is short content and live streaming key for the world after Antoinette? Well, I think it's obviously that all the, the opportunity digital are used. I would like to focus on the influencers instead of sales pitches, which it was for a big part until now. Uh, we, are, we will focus more on people promoting our products that really have to do something that are are willing to change the world the game changers for the better of the world and it's connected to the purpose economy so it goes from superficial to people with a real meaning and that's the people we 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 like to let's say copy so the people do really have uh, yeah, real influencers. And we like to link our products to them because it has meaning and that's what people want. That can be environmental issues, of course, the Black Lives Matter, woman empowerment, or for example, girls helping other girls with eating uh, problems like anorexia, or people that have spiritual power and helping other people to be lined up more with themselves. So people that really have a meaning to the world. And that's what we want to connect with, who we want to connect with for the higher good of all. And I think that's an important change. Mallory, talking about change, what are the crucial environmental drivers impacting the North American beauty retail sector in 2021? Well, certainly I think that consumers are becoming more educated about the impact of the products they buy. And we're seeing a real rejection of the greenwashing movement. Consumers now are more likely to look beyond superficial packaging terms like clean, natural, organic, or whole, showing that they're willing to put in the extra moment before purchasing a product to verify its eco-friendly claims. All of this is pushing beauty retail towards a space where authenticity and transparency are key, specifically in terms of sustain sustainability. 
Major brands like Ulta and Sephora have debuted respective areas on their digital platforms, as well as in their brick and mortar stores that highlight sustainable brands alongside sustainable store initiatives. Sephora, for example, expanded their Clean at Sephora program to focus on products they're calling Clean Plus Planet Positive, which includes 18 brands that adhere to Sephora standards, not only for clean formulas, but also for packaging reduction, environmental philanthropy, and more. Meanwhile, Ulta recently partnered with upcycling and recycling packaging brand Loop to create a circular beauty retail partnership. U.S. consumers can shop directly at a specific Loop by Ulta site for beauty products within sustainable packaging designed for refill and reuse. Having major brands like Ulta become early adopters of these sort of initiatives is important as the beauty industry is one of the biggest contributors to single-use packaging waste, with beauty retail playing a huge role in that through sampling, product return policies, etc., Making it easier for consumers to adopt sustainability practices without sacrificing a traditional beauty retail experience is a huge step in the right direction. But we're also seeing indie brands help push a more sustainable beauty retail experience. A recent example I saw that I loved is Naked Frankie, which uses a closed loop system that seeks to be what they're calling the, quote, milkman model of sustainable beauty. Within the LA area, consumers place an order for products which are delivered within reusable, refillable glass bottles, and consumers can then schedule free pickups of these bottles once they finish the products. So really pushing towards more reusable, more refillable, more sustainable upcycled packaging, and we're seeing both indie uh, brands and major beauty players have a role in this shift. And in China, Wendy... Is green reusable repackaging key to beauty retailing in 2021? Um, yes. So uh, for this question, I actually I think this is very interesting in China, and this is a little bit different for uh, in China and for other countries. So firstly, for the environmental drivers, I have to say, uh, when we're when it comes to this kind of environmental friendly or recycling reuse trend in China. It is totally not in the same scope of in the other countries in the world. Now in China, people are not uh, still not that focusing on this kind of part on this areas. So however, uh, for organic and for green ingredients, this trend has been become really big in China in 2021. So for example, uh, more and more uh, brands, especially for such as for the ordinary or some Chinese traditional brands or some Chinese new brands, domestic brands are focusing on the environmental friendly, uh, this kind of ingredients. And also more and more people are paying folks to the ingredients for uh, more pure ingredients. People are not that focusing, are not that paying much attention to uh, the area, the things about how it is friendly, use of uh, environmental friendly, or it can be reused, or the packaging is it of green. So people are not that um, caring about this part. So why? The reason is firstly all about these packages and all about this kind of things. Firstly, it hasn't raised enough attention in the China, in mainland China. And secondly, all the environmental and packages and this kind of things are not depending, uh, and including the ingredients, are not depending on the market or different producers. It is mainly monitored by the government. So in this case, this is more like in one standard in China instead of like the multiple standards and uh, uh, the new people or the newcomers are paying attention 
into this to do the promotions for themselves to uh, do the tax. So in this case, I think for the environmental drivers now in China, what are our stages? It's not about the packages or the the plastics or this kind of uh, uh, materials, but at the same time, the ingredients are more started to be a trend. Uh, so that's how about the China's uh, environmental drivers. And in the world after, Antoinette, the environment, how key is it? It's so key that if you don't do it, you're just out. So it's going to be the norm. And it's it's even not something for marketing because it's logical you do it. It's like drinking and driving. In the beginning, you were a hero when you drove without drinking alcohol. Now you're just out if you do it. Um, we see, um, of course, we see still a lot of things going on. One of the things is uh, no water formulations, and then the water is going to be added locally. It's far more better for the transport and the packaging, so solid products. Uh, we see also connected to the local products, which is going to be also really important. Uh, again, do-it-yourself products. You see that a lot of trends are linked to each other. So the stubborn consumer who's creative and sustainable likes do-it-yourself product because of sustainable reason, local products and the creativity they can add themselves. And then a next change which is coming is that we are... Uh, going to be aware of the number of products we buy so it's not only buying a sustainable product it's also about not buying it if you have it already of or you have enough so that's a kind of use the lipsticks you have instead of buying a new sustainable one industry might like it less but this is the case and mallory how are the government policies aiding or abetting the beauty retail sector across North America in 2021? Well, I see governments regulating beauty retail within a few different areas going forward. First, the most obvious area is in terms of the coronavirus response, of course, and the regulation of consumer and brand behavior to contain the virus. We're still very much fighting this virus in North America and specifically in the U.S. We're seeing a so-called pandemic of the unvaccinated, which has already led to the CDC issuing renewed guidelines for masks. If this surge trends in a continuously negative direction, it's possible that mask mandates, social distancing, and things like in-store services or samples may once again be regulated. Next, I see sustainability playing a key role within beauty retail in terms of governmental oversight. In the U.S., we've seen several states ban, for example, the sale of plastic bags and straws. And as these practices become universally adopted, state and federal bodies alike will begin looking to other single-use plastics to manage. I don't foresee this as something happening specifically within 2021, sadly, but going forward, I expect to see more governmental oversight in terms of waste generated by the beauty industry. Washington State recently passed a beauty wipes packaging law that required all beauty wipes to be labeled with a do not flush label, which definitely drives home the environmental impact of products uh, to the consumers purchasing them. And lastly, we're also seeing more governmental oversight in terms of the safety of products themselves, formulas, and what claims the products are legally allowed to make. California recently passed the Toxic Free Cosmetics Act, establishing a state-level ban of 24 ingredients from beauty and personal care products, previewing a stricter approach to product safety and regulation that's far more common in areas of Europe, specifically countries like Germany. 
And in China, Wendy, how is government policy aiding and abetting the beauty retail sector? So for in China, the biggest change in 2021 is about advertising policy, uh, because just in at the end of 2020, there have been several different cases about uh, how it has been impacted about the beauty industries. So for example, in China in 2021, at the beginning, I remember it was about February. So at that time, the Chanel makeup and the uh, one of the Chanel facial uh, Chanel facial cream, um, in that time because of the uh, fake promotion in China in Chinese on the China website. So they said that it's about whitening, but actually it doesn't have this kind of functions due to the ingredient analysis. So in this case, uh, it has been fined. Uh, and at the same time, also for the live streamings, because for the live streamings, uh, a lot of people, when all the brands are doing the live streamings and all the people, live streamers are doing the live streaming, they're trying to grab this market. Uh, so they have to use some methods or some wording which is not that proper or is a little bit um, exaggerated. So in this case, there was a big case in China as about uh, the medical the medical beauty machine. Uh, it also has been doing the live streaming in Austin Lee's uh, live streaming room, who is the biggest live streamer in China. And at the same time, because he used some really uh, strong words, uh, really some 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 like um, really powerful words to describe it. But actually, finally, the brands and also for uh, this this government government found that this is not true. So in this case, he also his live streaming rooms has been. Uh, did some adjustment. So in this case, advertising policy, especially for the live streaming and for the brand promotions has been uh, a big adjustment at the time. And in the world after, Antoinette, how important will government policy be in um, aiding the beauty retail sector further? Um, my business is not really the, the regulations and the government, but uh, concerning the government, I see uh, that uh, we became as consumers closer related to the government and also mostly more positive. Instead of feeling the government is someone asking for tax payment, we see it as an institute that is protecting us and also that we listen to them. So we listen to their rules and we think they have the best for us. So their position got stronger. And uh, also we see at the same time that health in general is far more higher on the government list, clear enough, and that will stay. So that is my opinion towards the government. And finally, Mallory, what should, could the North American beauty sector look like in 12 months' time? Of course, a lot of what happens uh, within North American beauty retail um, in terms of what it will look like a year from now depends on what happens with the pandemic. But three um, specific areas come to mind in terms of what beauty retail could and should look like this time next year. First, hopefully we're going to continue to see more exciting in-person retail experiences grow. 
as a trend forecaster and also as a consumer myself, I'm personally looking forward to seeing more innovation and keeping up with some of the examples we've we've discussed today with engaging pop-ups, cleverly laid out store concepts, and most importantly, a wholly elevated digital beauty retail experience. The pandemic showed us how much the North American beauty market is lagging behind China in terms of live streaming, VR, AR shopping experiences, and overall digital acceleration. So I hope to see more innovation within this area. Next, I hope to see more beauty retailers carve out spaces for brands that are Black-owned, Latinx-owned, AAPI-owned, Indigenous-owned, and more. We've already seen some of this in the wake of the global Black Lives Matter protests, along with the Stop Asian Hate movement, with many stores creating specific sections on their site to promote Black-owned or AAPI-owned brands. But I believe they can and should do more to promote these brands to create a more equitable in-person retail experience. JCPenney, for example, recently launched their JCPenney Beauty, an in-store and digital beauty area that will feature a wide variety of products. And the company is launching this with a specific feature on 13 Loon. 13 Loon is a beauty retailer that showcases beauty brands created by founders of color. So really highlighting these brands and giving them the space they deserve. And lastly, building off that theme of a more equitable beauty retail experience, a big theme we've generally tracked, especially given the impact of the pandemic, is financial health and affordability. Consumers are struggling financially, especially in nations like the U.S. that lack a robust social safety net. But despite this, we know that consumers are still willing to invest in beauty and personal care items as a form of self-care and happiness. I'd like to see beauty retail do more to accommodate these needs, making it easier to pay either in-store or online through third-party payment plan companies like Afterpay, which we saw surge during the pandemic. I'd also like for stores to prioritize stocking more affordable brands that don't sacrifice aesthetics or quality for a more accessible price point. There are so many great affordable brands out there, and I think they really deserve a place in some of these larger retailers and um, uh, storefronts. And in China, Wendy? What should, could the Chinese beauty retail sector look like in 12 months' time? Uh, Okay, so in the following one year, uh, what we are going to look forward to the beauty retail in China. So firstly, just as I have mentioned, for the Generation Z, uh, Generation Z, now what is the most important beauty trend, which is very interesting, is about appearance trend. So for the appearance trend, it doesn't mean that only they're caring more about their appearance. At the same time, they're also caring about the appearance, about the products, about the brand. So there are a lot of brands in China are doing the IP creation uh, or uh, the IP corporations together with the big brands and also with some really famous IPs. So for example, there was a really popular and really successful case uh, in China. Uh, there was a live streamer's dog and he always take this dog to his live stream rooms. So uh, one brand has found his dog to do the IP creations together. So the brand is called Perfect Diary. So Perfect Diary, it has been one of the biggest Chinese domestic makeup brands, which is famous for its lipsticks and eyeliners and eyeshadow palettes. So uh, they used his these dogs together to uh, do the creations about the packages, about the appearances, so about the colors, whether I eyeshadow palettes. So there was a really big success at the time. And for secondly, when we're talking about domestic Chinese brands, there is really very interesting uh, trend uh, in the following one year. It's still that we found Chinese people now are focusing more on the traditional brands, uh, the domestic brands in China, instead of the big brands or uh, 
the uh, the the foreign brands. The reason why, firstly, uh, a lot of a lot of Chinese young people are focusing more on the traditional trends in China, such as Hanfu or some ancient styles. So uh, there were several very successful brands which features the Oriental styles, such as Florises, which is always featuring the ancient styles in China, and they used the very ancient designs uh, in China to feature themselves. And at the same time, they always have the fashion show to uh, create it together to uh, look them the idols look like the people in ancient China. So for this kind of traditional trend also meets the cultural requirements uh, background in China today. More and more people are thinking that uh, like the culture or the the country should be paying more attention to, and this kind of culture is more important than products itself. So uh, for the Chinese traditional trends, this also is very, very important one, because it is not only started in the beauty retail, but at the same time about the sneakers, about the fashions, it, it still has been a great, uh, like a great thing we have to pay attention to. And for the last one, what I'm also going to mention is about uh, the beauty industries and the beauty products are focusing more on the ingredients. So just like I have mentioned in the uh, in the one about the environmental ones, people now are paying more attention to the ingredients of the products. So it has also to uh, to cause to one another trend. It's about more and more food, more and more beauty products are merged with the food. So it means that uh, some people will use the food ingredients into, especially for Chinese medicine ingredients, into the beauty products. And for the beauty products ingredients, it has been merged with the products and people can eat it inside. So this also has been uh, like to, to, to increase a big trend is about the Chinese or the appearance or this kind of uh, people to pay attention to them helps not only about their beauty, but also for the inside house to, uh, to, to meet the requirements about achieving the more healthy habits in their daily life. And your predictions for beauty retail in the world after Antoinette? <laughs> uh, with all the online shopping, we obviously see less small shops. And this goes together with a lot of people moving to the countryside. Uh, cities going to be less important for shopping and therefore we will see new retail big flex shops in the countryside with the whole range of products of the label and also starring their complete identity uh, with a restaurant, a beautiful garden, things like that. It's like Ikea on the high-end level of cosmetics with the whole range. And it will be a real experience. And somewhere you like to go and like to have a lunch and see the products. And, you know, it's like going out to that flagship store with that identity of your favorite brand. That is in retail an important move. And the next thing is that we coming from a time that uh, rather the products were, were sold rather by marketing and often the products were all rather similar. The only diversity was the marketing and as a result, the price or the price and then the marketing. And we will come into an area uh, with the more critical um, consumer who is more aligned with themselves, who doesn't need 
just that label identity. And therefore, it's looking for a real product. So instead of differentiation and focus on marketing as a label, you have to focus more on the product and make sure that you really deliver a different, well, well, good as well, but also a unique product. And that's the reason why the consumer is going to buy it instead of buying a similar product just for the label. With that, I would like to thank Mallory, Wendy and Antoinette for taking part today and to you for listening.